Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant, a certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. Hello and welcome to another edition of H2 Orthopedics. This is Mike. I am your host. And today's topic, we're going to going to dive into uh, kind of foot and ankle issues. And uh, usually, as you've if you've ever listened to this, you kind of understand. I'll take questions from friends, friends of family, family friends, uh, people that send in topics uh, on our email link or our, our um, through our website at h2orthopedics.com. Uh, today, talking about foot and ankle issues, I'm going to combine a, a few different you know, uh, contacts that I've had, uh, recently a friend of mine uh, called and said, Hey, my, my son who was in high school, uh, hurt his ankle in a football game last night. Uh, what should we do? Um, uh, so that kind of spurred me to think, you know, I can talk about that, but I can also talk about a few other things that are kind of tied into foot and ankle issues, uh, which is pretty complex. There's a lot going on down there in our foot and ankle. Um, it's, it's complicated, uh, but I'll try to make it simple, and I'll try to apply the H2 orthopedics um, kind of format to this. Where we'll talk about normal anatomy, uh, injured anatomy, or what could potentially be injured, and then the workup, and then potential treatment. So it'll be a little bit different than uh, than a straightforward, you know, talk about one specific problem, but I'm going to try to, to just touch base, at least on the surface, about uh, several things that can go on down at the foot and ankle. And as always, if you have specific questions that I'm just not uh, diving deep enough into, I'm happy to uh, set up a, a virtual one-on-one or phone call, Zoom call, whatever it might be. Just go to our website, h2orthopedics.com, and there's a virtual visit option uh, towards the uh, towards the bottom of the of the webpage. Fill out the information. It's basically your name, you know, how I can contact you, some general information about what's going on there, and then we'll set up a time where we can actually talk one-on-one and discuss uh, your details about your specific problems. Or if you want to just uh, be the topic of another podcast, just send me an email at topics uh, with an S at h2orthopedics, also with an S.com. And uh, I will uh, make an addition specifically on your injury. So anyway, let's get going with foot and ankle issues and see if we can't answer some questions out there. So the foot and the ankle are really, you know, really a complex part of our body. Obviously, as we're walking around and being humans, whether we're walking, running, jumping, it's the thing that makes contact with the ground. And uh, in my simple brain, I kind of look at it like a a bicycle chain. There are lots of links uh, in a chain. There's lots of links and things that happen in the foot and the ankle as it transmit uh, energy and the ability to move up to the rest of our body. So uh, we strike the ground with our heel or what we call the calcaneus, and then we roll forward across the the midfoot towards the big toe and then we push off with the big toe that's a normal gait pattern and there's a lot of things that need to happen uh, in those joints and there's multiple joints throughout all that in your foot and ankle uh, that either need to be mobile at one point in time or rigid at another point in time and it's really a complex coordinated fashion of contracting muscles and supporting different parts of the uh, of the foot and ankle as we go through a normal gait so, you know, normal gait shouldn't be a problem. We tend to, to you can strike on the outside of our heel, transmit the forces across the, the middle of the foot or what we call the, the hind to the midfoot, to the forefoot, to the toes. And then we push off our great toes. So we kind of rotate from outside to inside as far as the forces going back to front. Um, when it's when it works, it works well and we forget about it. When it doesn't work or something happens, uh, then obviously, you know, issues show up. Uh, the first thing I'll, I'll talk about is 
is a flat foot or what we would term a pes planus. So that means that the arch, what we call the longitudinal arch, so running from your heel to your toe, uh, is no longer there. Either it's failed, it's been stretched out, or it just didn't, you know, the tissues that create that just didn't develop properly, which gives you a flat foot. And oftentimes I'll ask patients, if you're at a swimming pool and you get out of the water and you, you walk over to, you know, get your towel to dry off, you're going across that dry concrete, does your, does your imprint on the concrete from your wet foot look fat and wide, or is it kind of like almost like a question mark shape, uh, like a normal foot? And they're easily, they can easily easy answer that and say, oh, that was kind of that fat and wide, and that's a flat foot, or it's, you know, that question mark where I can see the arch isn't really touching the ground. That's a normal shape to the foot or even a, a high arch that's rigid and doesn't give, give way. Uh, but a flat foot compared to a normal arch, you, know, you lose a couple things. You lose the ability to absorb some shock. So, so the shock that's absorbed uh, with a normal arch is transmitted up into the knee joint, or up into the other structures with a flat foot. So sometimes that's a factor in contributing to some knee pain or hip pain or back pain. And uh, putting an orthotic into the shoe may be a benefit to give you that support, that artificial shock absorption, if you will. Uh, and and uh, you always caution people to be uh, less aggressive than more aggressive when they're putting an arch in. You, know, you can go to the store and buy a Dr. Scholl or some type of an insert. But uh, be less aggressive versus more aggressive as you start because you can certainly overdo it and cause problems. You have to imagine every step you take of every day of your life leading up to that point, you've kind of accommodated to. If you make a sudden change, you may accommodate the opposite direction too much and cause an increase in symptoms. So go gradual with any kind of a heel lift to raise your heel or an arch support. And gradually over time, you might be able to build that up a little bit. If your foot is flat, or what we again call pes planus, a flat foot, um, you have more tibial rotation, your shin bone. So this comes back to, we're going to talk about the anatomy in a second, but you have more tibial rotation, which is transmitted to your knee and could potentially cause knee issues, specifically uh, kneecap or patellofemoral issues. So let's go back to the ankle and talk about anatomy. The, the ankle joint, uh, if you look down at your foot from top to bottom, let's say you're looking at your right foot. So you're, you, know, you look at your big toe side. If you go up to your ankle, there's a bump on the, uh, at the ankle joint itself that we term the medial malleolus, inside bump, just call it that. That's actually your, your shin bone coming down and making the inside part of your joint. And the malleolus is a little bit of an overhang towards the inside uh, of what we call the mortise joint. So the tibia itself makes, makes two sides to a three-sided mortise joint. So the inside and the top, so you go up and you go across the joint. So, so from the inside towards the outside, where your foot goes up and down, like pushing on the gas of a car, that's the tibio-tailor joint. And tibio part of that means tibia. So the inside and then across the top is your tibia. And then that bump on the outside of your leg is called the lateral malleolus. And that's formed from your fibula, a separate bone on the outside of your leg. The fibula runs from the outside, just below your knee joint, uh, all the way down to your ankle. And you can feel it at your ankle. You can see it at your ankle when you push down there. So the, that's the mortise. It's kind of a, you know, a, a U-shaped part of a joint. And then the talus, which is one of your foot and ankle bones, fits inside of that mortise. So if you were to make kind of a, a cup with your left hand and then make a fist with your right hand that fits inside there, that's what a mortise joint looks like. So your fingers and your thumb would be the the malleoli, medial and lateral malleoli. Uh, if your long finger goes across the top, that's kind of that that tibia part that I was talking about. And then your thumb maybe would be the, the lateral malleolus. And then your fist is the talus as it fits inside there. And it's like a hinge it rocks back and forth. Uh, that gives you the up and down motion. And then below that, what we call the subtalar joint is where we get the in and out motion of our foot. 
And that's getting pretty complicated on the biomechanics. So I'm not going to get too deep into that. But and remember the, the mortise joint. So the tibia and the fibula, both the malleoli, have ligaments that attach to that talus. And it holds it in place and gives it some support. It's a pretty, pretty strong, bony structure. I mean, that mortise joint is pretty secure, pretty, pretty uh, beefed up. Uh, but there are some ligaments that come off the, the tibia on the medial side and the fibula on the lateral side that go both to the talus and to the calcaneus, to the heel bone. The inside ligament is called a deltoid ligament. It's a big, broad ligament. And if you're looking down at it, it's kind of an upside down um, a triangle, if you will. To me, I always imagine like a sonar, a, a signal coming off of a you know an ultrasound or something, a sonar in the ocean uh, where the, the kind of pointed parts on my malleoli and it spreads out onto the, uh, onto the, cal- uh, the calcaneus uh, distally. <clears throat> and then on the outside, there's three separate littler ligaments, the anterior and the posterior talofibular ligament, anterior in the front, posterior in the back, and then between there, the calcaneofibular ligament. And they're just three smaller ligaments. Usually when we have an ankle sprain, we're talking about those three ligaments. By far, it's more likely that you're going to sprain or a sprain is a ligament injury where it's been stretched, uh, the lateral ligaments, simply because of the mechanics of what typically happens during that injury. So when we talk about ligament sprains uh, versus muscular strains, T in that word versus a P in the other, uh, we're talking about stretching or injuring to a ligament. And we grade it one, two, or three. So a grade one is a minor or a minimal stretch injury that typically rebounds or recovers pretty quickly. A grade two is where there has been injury, true, true injury to that ligament. There's been disruption to the ligament fibers, but there's still some fibers and there's a grade of, you know, a few to very, you know, a lot uh, as far as how many are still hanging on, but there's still some ligament that's normal. It's a grade two. And then a grade three is a complete disruption to the ligament structure itself. So grade one, two, and three typically get, gives us an idea of how long things will take to heal. If you have a grade one versus a grade three, obviously there's less tissue to heal. You're going to get, bounce back quicker. So as you as you have a typical ankle sprain injury, your the bottom of your foot typically rolls towards the opposite foot. So your big toe goes up. So if your foot's flat on the ground, if you roll your big toe up into the air, that's what we call inversion. And that's how you stretch. You can see you'd stretch those ligaments on the outside of your ankle, and they typically will release in the order um, of front to back. So anterior talofibular, calcaneofibular, or cal- calcaneofibular ligament, and then posterior uh, tibiofibular ligament. Don't worry about the names. Just know that they kind of release in that front to back uh, direction. And when we get to the point where we, you know, you come in to see us or the athletic trainer or the physical therapist, nurse practitioner, doc, whoever you see is evaluating you, they're going to, you know, in their mind's eye, going to imagine those ligaments and palpate or push on those areas. And typically you're going to be sore in the front, um, in that, in that first ligament, anterior talofibular ligament region, uh, with a mild ankle sprain, but maybe not the others, the more higher the grade of each of these ligaments that get injured, then the next one gets injured. So we can kind of assess your level of severity of ligament by your localized area of discomfort or pain. So that's on the outside. Uh, and that's with an inversion mechanism. You can have injury to the deltoid ligament, and that's usually an eversion. So the opposite direction, small toe coming up off the ground or hyper uh, dorsiflexion, meaning that you're coming, your foot's coming up, you know, your toes are coming too far up, like you're um, bending them up towards your knee. 
the opposite of pushing off or jumping, your toes are actually coming up. You can injure that ligament or a rotational injury. So you can, you plant your foot and you rotate, you know, usually kind of rotating away from the small toe. So if you're, if you planted your right foot, you're rotating towards the left, you can injure those ligaments with that rotation. There's another ligament group uh, called the syndesmosis, which runs between the two bones, the tibia and the, and the fibula, all the way up uh, towards the knee joint. So there's a, there's a band of tissue that we call the syndesmotic ligament up in that area. And you can injure that, usually, again, rotational or aggressive dorsiflexion, toes up uh, position will stretch, will almost separate that mortise joint, if you will, and stretch or tear that syndesmotic ligament as it goes higher above your ankle joint. You may have heard the term high ankle sprain. That's what that is. So those are the ligament structures. Uh, there's some tendinous structures that also run around the ankle. Uh, the, the injury that we see more often, and it, it's, it's kind of associated with lateral ankle sprains, are perineal nerve, or excuse me, perineal tendon injuries. The perineal brevis and longus are two, two tendons uh, that connect a muscle on the outside of your leg to the base of your small toe, actually the small toe bone, and then actually on the underside of your toes helps curl your, your toes. Uh, the brevis and the longus do that. And they run almost like a pulley behind that lateral malleolus, that lateral or outside bump on your ankle. There's a little groove in there and those tendons kind of run in there, are held in place with a little bridge of tissue uh, that keeps it in that groove. And as we go back and forth in a normal gait pattern, they just glide back and forth. If we have a gross inversion or an aggressive, you know, big toe up off the ground mechanism of our of uh, spraining our ankle or, or forcing our ankle, those muscles can actually contract aggressively to try to get your foot flat on the ground again and either jump out of the groove, a subluxation or a dislocation, tearing that little bridge of tissue. They can rupture or uh, if <clears throat> the forces are in the right position on the base of your fifth metatarsal, the, the, the small toe bone, the foot bone, where that brevis attaches can actually evolve or pull off. So if you have a sprained ankle, you, you know, you kind of run of the mill. I twisted my ankle playing basketball. I stepped on a a rock when I was out jogging, whatever it might be, uh, and you rolled your ankle, an inversion injury, and you have pain on your foot, the outside of your foot, kind of almost in the middle of your foot, but way on the outside on the small toe side. If you have a you know, fairly intense pain there, don't ignore that. That that could be an avulsion of that perineus brevis, which is kind of a big deal um, or could be a big deal because there's not a great blood supply on that bone. Just as we go down towards the tip of the toe direction, um, there can be an issue as far as healing. So that's a tendinous injury. We talked about Achilles in another talk, so I'm not going to get into that. And there's some other tendon issues that can happen around the foot and ankle, but again, I'm not going to get too detailed on that. But the things that are common are that lateral ankle sprain, again, anterior talofibular ligament, calcaneofibular ligament, posterior uh, tibiofibular ligament, kind of by inversion, and then that perineal tendon, uh, either uh, you know, dislocation or subluxation, jumping out of that little pulley groove, or causing an avulsion injury at the base of the fifth metatarsal, at the base of your small toe. Those are things we worry about with that inversion mechanism. So um, if you have any of those and you think, I just sprained my ankle, but I have that foot pain, don't ignore it. Go in and, and see someone. So those are kind of the typical ankle sprain ligament injuries. With that same mechanism or any of these mechanisms we talked about, there's a chance that you can actually have a fracture or break the bone along with or instead of a ligament injury. So if you have significant pain and are unable to bear weight, that is a clue that 
maybe this is more than just a ligament injury. Most of the time, within 24 to 48 hours of an ankle sprain, even grade threes, you can start to bear weight. It's not stable and it may be, you know, you know very painful. Um, there may be a fair amount of swelling and bruising. But typically, this is a general statement, typically you can bear weight, especially with those earlier grade one and twos and sometimes with those grade threes, within a day or two. If you are still having trouble bearing weight walking, you just feel like I can't put weight down on this because one, my brain's telling me not to, it doesn't feel right, and or, and it's usually both, there's significant pain, don't ignore that. There's a reasonable chance that you have a fracture and the fracture could be on either one, either side or both. We often will see a fibular fracture with an ankle sprain mechanism. And I'll just, that's one of the other reasons I'm giving this talk today is uh, just two or three days ago, I saw a gentleman who was in the office who had injured his ankle fishing. He jumped from one rock to another. The rock that he landed on kind of gave or kind of rolled in the river and he, you know, he slipped off of it, fair amount of energy. And he thought he just sprained his ankle. He was out of state. This was a week or 10 days ago. He chose to travel back home, still having trouble, still limping around. He came in to see me. And sure enough, he had an ankle fracture that he'd been living with for about a week. And unfortunately, in his case, it wasn't displaced. So we're treating it conservatively without surgery. But uh, there's a chance that it could have been displaced or, or and then um, that leads to surgery because it, now he has an unstable mortise joint where that talus comes up and fits between the two bones. It's unstable because half of it's broken and, and obviously not going to give you stability. So prolonged inability to bear weight and significant pain. And when you push on your, on your bone, so again, the ligaments attach bone to bone. So they're on the tip of the bone. I'm thinking more lateral on the outside here, but it's true on the inside as well. If you're pushing on that and it's more at the tip of the bone and down towards the floor, that's likely ligament. If it's at the bone or above and onto the bone itself, onto the shaft of the fibula or up above that bump on the inside, the medial malleolus, it's truly on the bone. Again, don't ignore that. That's where the fracture occurs. And it could be, you know, telling you that you have a fracture, which leads to an unstable joint, which may be something that needs surgery. So the workup for that is to see someone, a PA, an orthopedic surgeon, your family practice doc, nurse practitioner, urgent care, athletic trainer, I don't care who you see. Uh, but go see someone and they likely will obtain an x-ray series to look at the, at the status of the joint and the status of the bone. So if there's a fracture, we can obviously see that. We can see a break in the, in the outer portion of the bone called the cortex and uh, determine whether it's stable. Uh, the, the level of displacement and the level of where the fracture is, specifically medial or specifically lateral, the outside of your ankle, but also somewhat medial, will determine whether we need to do surgery. So if the fracture is right at that joint level, right at the top of the talus um, or above, we have some, some concern that it will be an unstable fracture if it doesn't heal in appropriate position. So oftentimes we'll say we need to go to the operating room and put a metal plate on the outside with some screws to hold it in place while it heals. On the inside, the medial malleolus, if it's broken off, and it's just the little nub that sticks down there, uh, if it's broken off, then that medial side is unstable. And oftentimes there's a big enough piece we can just put a couple of screws through that into the bigger portion of the bone to stabilize it. And oftentimes we're doing both, medial and lateral stabilization, because you've broken both. Enough energy has gone through that ankle to fracture both bones. There's also a possibility if there's enough injury to break the bones, if there's enough injury to, to separate them, uh, se separate the tibia and the 
a fibula and cause a syndesmotic. Remember that high ankle sprain, that tissue between the bones? It can separate. And during the surgery, you may put a, a suture or a special apparatus. And we used to use a screw and now we use sutures or these cables uh, made of suture to pull that back together. So it'll heal. If that's, if that's loose, again, you have a, a joint that's lax or loose and causes instability of the ankle joint itself. So uh, don't ignore an ankle. It's, it's difficult to walk on more than, you know, 12 to 24 hours and definitely 48 hours plus. You need to, to get it checked out because there's a chance you could have a fracture. You don't want to ignore a fracture uh, because we can fix them fairly simply. Yes, it's a it's an inconvenience for six or eight weeks as you're immobilized and maybe not bearing full weight, but, but the rest of your life you get a stable ankle joint versus having an in, unstable ankle that could go on to be arthritic or problematic or uh, really a, a big issue. So the things to really watch out for, if you just had that simple, I rolled my ankle, it hurts, but I can walk around with just a mild limp. It's getting better every day, likely an ankle sprain. Pain behind that bone on the outside and even a mechanical symptom of catching something moving back there. Think about that tendon popping over that uh, bone or jumping out of the groove. That becomes an issue. You want to look at that. An MRI would look at that and give us the idea of the stability of of that tendon in the groove back there. Pain on the bone inside or outside. Don't ignore it. Understand that the ligaments are usually off the tip of the bone uh, going away. If you have pain higher than where they attach, think about a fracture or pain at that, what we would term the base of the fifth metatarsal on the outside of your foot, that small toe foot bone, not necessarily your toe, but keep going up about the middle of your foot or even closer to your heel. There's an area back there where that brevis, perineus brevis tendon attaches and an avulsion there uh, can be a big deal. Now there's something, you know, that can happen on that same bone, which is a stress fracture. You know, we kind of see it in the military. We see it in gymnasts. We see it in dancers. We see it in people who are landing and jumping on their foot repetitively, maybe not in the best, you know, protective uh, footwear. Uh, Typically, you know, stress fractures happen over time. There's pain, there's discomfort. It just, you know, my foot aches. And then it could actually have a moment where it shifts into a more of an acute issue, uh, but there's, uh, there's, there's that as well. And that's that fifth metatarsal. Again, that bone on the outside, the small toe bone on the outside of your foot. So if you're having ongoing pain out there and you're in one of those activities, you maybe took up running, uh, took up dancing, or it's your kid got into ballet, whatever it might be, pay attention to that because those can go on to be problems. Uh, there's an area at the very tip where that tendon attaches to that bone. Uh, there's a reasonable blood supply, and those will likely heal back if treated appropriately. But as we get a centimeter or more away from that area into that shaft of that bone, there's a really poor blood supply. So injury to the bone itself does not heal very well. Blood is what we need to have any tissue heal. If there's no blood in the bone, the chances of it going on to what we call a non-union or a malunion are pretty high. And so oftentimes we'll have to do something about that. Um, more often than not, it's a it's a surgical procedure to help put some compression to that fracture site to really hold those edges together uh, firmly or securely. And then sometimes we'll use a stimulator of, of different types, ultrasound or electric current, whatever it might be, to stimulate bone healing to make sure that that heals. Uh, because if it goes on to a non-union, obviously it becomes a chronic problem that you don't want to have to deal with. So that's the fifth metatarsal, the bone on the outside, the small toe side of your foot. You can have Problems in the midfoot, there's a, a fracture pattern called a Liz Frank fracture. Liz Frank for us Americans. Um, it happens often. Um, I always think of like a motorcycle rider, a motocross rider who lands a jump and his, the front of his foot, his toes are on the, on the pedal 
um, or on the peg, his football, his motorcycle peg, and but his heel drops aggressively and he can fracture through that midfoot, bruising on the bottom of your foot and significant pain on the top or the midfoot. So not on the toes, not at the ankle, but kind of between them. That's a concern, uh, especially if you have difficulty bearing weight. There can be a ligament injury, there can be a fracture injury, or there can be both. So a loose franca injury, something to definitely pay attention to and, and follow up with an orthopedic surgeon or a, a, someone to get an x-ray to follow that up. You can have arthritis uh, in, in any of your toes. We see it often in the great toe or the big toe. They can become arthritic. Uh, there's things that can be done there. You can have, you know, obviously bunions or bunionettes, you know, big toe versus small toe, uh, or deformity of the joint. That's usually from, you know, various, various causes, uh, but can be addressed if, if caught early and appropriately, uh, uh, you know, diagnosed and treated. So lots can go on the foot and the ankle. I don't want to dive into too much. It's definitely not an area of my expertise. It's an area I see a fair amount, especially those lateral ankle sprains, medial ankle sprains, and fractures to both the fibula and the medial malleolus. High ankle sprains are fairly common. Uh, Achilles tendon injuries are fairly common. Perineal tendon injuries are fairly common. Avulsion injuries to that base uh, fifth metatarsal are fairly common. So all of those things can happen. And you know, they're varying degrees of injuries and varying degrees of concern. So don't ignore a foot and ankle issue. Uh, going back to my friend, she followed up and sure enough, her son had broken his fibula and needs to have a surgical procedure. He's a senior in high school, I think. Um, and he's going to have a procedure. They'll put a plate and probably six or eight screws through the, the plate going through uh, the bone to hold it in place to make sure it heals in the proper position for a couple reasons. It's his, his his fibula, so the outside of his ankle, uh, that groove where those perineal tendons needs to be in appropriate position, that lateral malleolus to give that mortise joint a lateral support needs to be in place, and the ligament structures that attach to the distal fibula down to the calcaneus or to the uh, talus need to have a firm base to work off of to give him support as well. So there's a lot that that the surgery will help as long as that bone heals back in the proper place, and that typically that bone will heal pretty well. So uh, he's having surgery. You may have already had it. Um, I wish him the best because he's a good kid and he's out there, uh, being active and having fun. But anyway, that's foot and ankle. There's tons more to talk about. If you have specific questions, you know, let me know and I'll happy to, to dive into it uh, a little bit further with either one-on-one or through, uh, another podcast. So as always, I appreciate you listening. Uh, do your best to stay active, stay healthy and put a smile on someone else's face until we talk again. Take care. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode is helping you out and answering some questions. If I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury uh, or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h2orthopedics.com and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answers you're looking for. Again, that's h2orthopedics.com. Scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next time.